Well, I'm honored today to introduce a great friend who's going to be bringing the word today, and he is no stranger to this house. He's no stranger to this area. Uh, Mikado Henson is a, a great dear friend who's been a part of our church for over a decade, I would say. You know how many years specifically? Um, right at 10. Close right about to 10. 10 years. Um, he is the director of player development at AM and gets to minister to all of the athletes, pouring into them, loving on them, telling them about Jesus. And um, I'm honored to call him friend because I would not want to go up against him any other way. And I feel extra comfortable when he's standing by me anytime we walk together. I'm like, can I just stand by you? But he also is a minister of the gospel and he actually travels quite a bit to speak. And he's a member of this house. This is his house of worship. He loves us and he loves this church and we love him. And I'm honored to be the one to introduce him today. So why don't you help stand on your feet and welcome Mikado Henson as he comes to preach today. morning church family I tell you I don't want to lose this moment how many of you all were ministered to already through song here's why I don't want to lose that moment because all of us are going through something we come to church we smile we dress up all of us are going through something And if you're not, keep living. No matter what you're going through right now, it will never ever negate the fact that God is good. And not only is he good, he is more than able. The part we have to play in that is we have to believe that. Sometimes we get to the point where we lose all hope. The only ones who could receive a miracle from Jesus are the ones who believed he could do the miracle. And so I wanna encourage you, the truth is, God is good and he's more than able. The fact is, you and I, we have to continue to cling to hope that he is able. And so I pray that we encounter him like never before. And it is my prayer that this word is an encouragement to you. I pray that, and I won't, I'm trying not to get in the way of this deal. My prayer is is that if God wants to have a one-on-one meeting with you today, I want to step out of the way. One of my great mentors sent this to me just a couple of weeks ago when I was sharing, speaking at a funeral, one of our coaches who was a member here. And he texted me and he said, Mikado, preach not to be remembered. Preach so that Jesus will not be forgotten. And it's my prayer that that's how we can live. People may say things about us now and while we're gone, but I pray that the people that you get to touch and impact and influence, they'll miss you when you're gone. Let's preach so that Christ, let's live that Christ is never forgotten. What an honor it is to be able to stand and like Pastor Nate said, to be able to stand here at our church home. God has opened up a lot of doors and very thankful and and humbled by that, that he has allowed us to to travel and to minister in a lot of places, but it's always humbling and it's always a complete honor uh, to be able to stand in front of your church family. So I give honor to the pastors of this house as uh, they are zipping out and traveling to be ministered to, but uh, we honor them, we celebrate them. And we're thankful for their leadership. Continue to pray 
that God continues to give Pastor Nate a fresh vision for Skybreak Church as he continues to lead with his team under the guidance of the Holy Spirit that he is uh, leading us and that we will follow that leadership. I do wanna give a shout out to my lovely bride, Chandra. I told her, just hang with me, I'm taking you places, babe. But I love you, and two of the three, two of our three children are here, Kendall and MJ. Maya has been serving all summer in the Dominican Republic as a missionary intern for Mission of Hope, and she gets home this Wednesday. So she's been serving for three months there, so super proud of her, and getting some amazing updates of what God is doing through her. And then also I'd like to, um, I think my parents are watching back in Kansas City. So mom, daddy, I love you. And uh, I'm honored to be your son. Student athletes, I have some student athletes who are here. I just wanna let you know that I love you and it's been an honor to, uh, to walk with you through your college years. And um, to know that he's more than able, sometimes I need that nudge and reminder. Well, today at two o'clock, I get to baptize one of our football players in one of our coaches' pools. So, one of our freshmen came and said, I've never been baptized. I said, well, let's talk about it. And we talked about his salvation in Christ and how that is secured and that next step of obedience is to go to the water. And he requested that and I said, coach, can we use your pool, one of our coaches? And absolutely, we've done it before. And um, so it's a blessing, I hope, for this young man, but it was also a nudge to me to keep going, to keep going. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine. And thank you all for standing for God's word. I will quickly say you can sit down when I start talking. I remember I was a chaplain for the Houston Rockets for seven years and one year I was in the middle of sharing God's word, literally reading God's word and one of the players came in interrupting, high-fiving and dapping guys up and I looked at him and Dikembe Mutombo said, uh-oh. I said, hey bro, you're late. How about you just go ahead and have a seat? Talk to them after chapel. He came and apologized after chapel, and I said, if I was talking, I have no problem with that. But if we're reading God's word, you honor God's word enough to not interrupt that. So now go drop 50 on them. Luke chapter nine, verse 23 through 25. It should be on the screen behind me if you don't have it. This is Jesus speaking. It says, then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit? their very self, another translation says, their very soul. What good does it profit us if we gain the whole world and yet forfeit our very soul? Would you pray with me? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that God, you would speak to us through your word. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you challenge us God, meet us right where we are. And God, as you've called us to follow you, I pray, God, that today would be that crossroads moment in someone's life where they choose that this is that day that I will go beyond belief to follow you. Thank you for this opportunity, God, and I pray that I preach not to be remembered, but that I preach that you, dear Lord, will never be forgotten in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You can be seated. When the crusade battles were fought, mercenary soldiers were hired to enlist in that war. People with different professions were, were, were enlisted into that, so they were hired soldiers. They would go through training, they would go through uh, all the different battle plans and, and things of that nature, but because the Crusades were a religious war, one of the requirements for these mercenaries would be that they would be water baptized. And so before they engaged in any battle, they literally had to go under the water. And many of these soldiers, regardless of where they stood in their relationship with God, they would stand in the water, they would kneel down in the water, and before they would go under, they would, take, they would draw their sword and they would hold it straight up in the air and they would be baptized holding their sword out of the water. And what that symbolized was, God, you can have all of me, but not my sword. That's mine. God, you can have all of me, but not my sword. Well, today I want to speak to us from this thought, and I pray that it ministers to your heart as it did mine as I was preparing this message. Completely surrendered. Completely surrendered. Jesus, as he was walking on this earth, and you can read throughout the Gospels to see how he walked, where he walked, who he walked with, what the situations and conditions were, but as Jesus walked the earth, there were always people following him. They were always following, and most of these people, they followed safely at a distance as not to get too close, but then some braved it enough to get super close to him. And there were a lot of reasons why people were following him, yet few of those people were willing to completely surrender. Maybe for them it was not an actual sword, for maybe some of them it was, but it was something that was keeping them from going all in in following Jesus Christ. And I truly believe that the same can be said for you and I. I'm including myself in that, y'all. We're in this thing together. I may be standing on a platform, but the ground at the cross is even. And we're all standing at that even ground. There are many things that we are not willing to surrender to the Lord. So throughout the Gospels, you'll see Jesus traveling from town to town uh, with his disciples, and a lot of times he's teaching them because eventually they're gonna be the ones to carry out the ministry and people, the outsiders, the, the crowd, if you will, were standing there catching the overflow of what Jesus was teaching the disciples. And oftentimes, because he was moved with compassion, that word compassion means shared suffering. Because he was willing to suffer with people, he oftentimes was performing miracles. Blind were receiving sight. The, the, the lame were made well and walking. He was feeding people. He had just fed 5,000 with a couple fish and a few loaves of bread. With leftovers, they ate till they got full. He performed miracles everywhere he was going and people were grabbing hold of that. So anywhere you went, Jesus went, you would see a large crowd. If, we, if then they had drone footage, as I was preparing, I said a Goodyear blimp and a lot of people say, what is that? So uh, a little drone footage, you would see the terrain you would probably see different animals, you would see a lot of different things, but then you would oftentimes see a large crowd of people. There was a good chance is that is exactly where Jesus was. He chose few, but there were masses following them. As I was studying for this, the thought came to my mind is that oftentimes you'll read about Jesus going to sit with the disciples and he would teach them but he would also walk amongst the crowds. 
and there you will see Jesus saw the crowd and was moved with compassion. But then he withdrew and sat with his disciples. And the thought came to me, Jesus sees the crowd, but he sits with disciples. And when you sit with someone, it means you're purposely doing that. There's an intimate moment. If you go to lunch with someone, you sit down at a table or a booth. Like you're sitting there and you're enjoying each other's company. So he saw the crowds, but he would sit with his disciples. John 6, 2 says, a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. So why were they following him? They were looking for the miracle. They were looking to see what is he gonna do next. They followed him because they saw the miraculous signs. Maybe some of them needed a miracle, but many of them, the motive in following him is to see what he was going to do. Are we following Jesus because of what he did? Or are we following Jesus for who he is? We oftentimes get so locked up in looking at his hands that we miss his heart. We look for what is he gonna give me and not just he wants to sit with me. He wants to take us to a different level of intimacy, but we get so caught up in, bless me, Lord, give me, Lord. And oftentimes we say, what can I give him? Well, why do you give back to the Lord? Because I love him. Why do you give your tithes and offerings? It's because I love him. Out of an act of obedience, I love him, so I'm going to demonstrate that love. What's Romans 5, 8 say? But God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the love that he shows us is a great demonstration. But oftentimes when we come to him, we just come with cupped hands. Lord, I need X, Y, Z. We can fill in the blank. But I want to encourage you all, as I've been encouraged and challenged, to not chase after the blessings. Chase after the blessor. Because if you get the blessor, there's a good chance you get the blessing. God looks, always looks at the motivation of our hearts. He always looks of the why. Why are you asking me? Why are you praying to me? Why, why, why? It always comes down to why. We wanna see what, but God is always focused on the motivation, the why. And he looks at them with Luke 9, 23, and we see that he asks them, he tells them, if you wanna be my disciple, if you wanna follow me, here's what you have to do. He drew a line in the sand and said, this is what it is. And so, beloved, I just want to encourage you. It's not enough to just live for God Sunday to Sunday. I, I will walk with Christ. I will follow Christ this Sunday and the next Sunday. But there's Monday through Saturday in between, and we do what we want to do. Ouch. I'm saying that to me. We do what we want to do. It is all about me. But he's challenging us to go all in 24-7, 365, at home, at work, at school, at ATB, amen, and in traffic. He's asking us to be his representatives, his followers, and if we have said yes to completely surrender to him, that even in traffic, we will represent him. I'm not saying what you think. <laughs> because you can take that thought captive. <laughs> but maybe the attitude of our heart, and maybe that's what he's wanting us to completely surrender. Maybe it's the attitude. Maybe it's the pride. I don't know what it is, but there are things that get in the way. And if I say that I am a Christ follower and I represent him, Pastor Ben Stewart says a new identity should result in new activity. Eventually, the Christ follower is to bear fruit. Everyone say fruit. We are to bear fruit, and that fruit is not for us. 
You'll read all throughout scripture that fruit is for the Lord. We are to bear fruit for him. We are to bear fruit in his name. It's not for us. I'm an apple tree. Look at all the apples I produce. This is amazing, isn't it? Well, it's not for us. It is for the one who has planted us in this time, in this season, in this land, in this place. We are to represent him. And as the fruit is for him, others are able to come and pick from that tree. We are to produce fruit. That new identity in Christ should result in new activity. I remember when I had first gotten saved, I was playing a, a video game at my friend Valdir's house. <laughs> and you know, I, I knew I was saved. I just hadn't surrendered. <laughs> and uh, made a bad move on the game and some words came out of my mouth. They probably weren't the best words, but they were normal for me for a long time. And one of my friends said, hey, I thought you became a Christian. And I said, I did. He laughed and said, nothing about you changed. I remember like it was yesterday, y'all. And I tried to justify, man, that. And then finally I said, you're right, but keep watching. But keep watching. It got to a point where they would say, Mikado, say, say this cuss word. I'd be like, no, come on, man. It doesn't make you a bad person. Now they're tempting me to do it, do it, do it. <laughs> new identity should bring about new activity. Listen what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, one and two. He, the Apostle Paul says, therefore, I urge you, I'm pleading with you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, for then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Choosing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, y'all, it's more than that verbal affirmation. It's more than the old school ichthus on the back of your car. It's more than the scripture social media posts. All of those are good, but that does not make us a disciple or his follower. When you follow Christ's guidelines for living, you will find that his result is far better than you could have ever planned or imagined. His result, if we follow it his way, I don't put anything together that needs, that needs assembly, okay? I've, done, I've been through growth track. I did the um, spiritual gifts assessment. All that uh, crafts and stuff, that is zero on my list. It gets no points. But my bride, on the other hand, she can put together anything. Ikea furniture, I mean, it doesn't matter. She can put it all together, and it's perfect. It's better when we use the instructions, we get a bike and we say, I put this together. I know where the pedals go and the wheel goes and all these other things. And next thing you know, the seat is plugged into where the pedals go. You're riding on a unicycle and you're like, I got an extra wheel here. I wonder what's going on. Well, if you read the instructions, here's how many nuts and bolts. Here's how many of this you, you need. Okay, you got your Allen wrench, all that other stuff. She does that to perfection. I'm driving the unicycle trying to sit down where the pedal goes. That's, that's how I roll. But life usually makes sense. Life usually comes together if we follow the instructions. If we look at our manual, right? God gave us one. It's called the Bible. 66 books all wrapped up into one. Life usually makes more sense when we follow those instructions. We have some of our football players here right now. If they run the wrong play, something bad can happen. If the offensive line said, man, I'm not blocking for the quarterback on this play, man. It's time for me to get my shine. I'm going to do it my way. That quarterback gets blown up. They get yelled at, yanked, put on the bench, and they, it all could have worked out if they would have just followed the playbook. So I want to encourage you to follow the playbook. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to be a disciple of Jesus Christ must, number one, deny yourself. What does that look like? Here's the point. Your desires must take a back seat 
to God's plan for your life. An ailment that we all suffer from because of our sin and fallen nature, it's called the disease of me. We all suffer from it at some various stage. We all suffer from the disease of me. The world revolves around me and what I wanna do. If, if your life and my life was a worship song, it's all about me. It's all about me. It, it, that life is all, it just praise me, praise me. And if you're talking about yourself, I'm talking about myself. Because we suffer, our sin, our prideful nature, our fallen nature always leans to us. It always, it's always about how I feel, what's gonna benefit me in this situation. Here's a test, y'all ready? Pop quiz, hot shots. It's from a movie, but anyway. <laughs> you take, you're in a group photo, and you say, let me see the picture. Who do you look at first? <laughs> me, right, you find yourself. And that determines if the picture is worthy or not, right? <laughs> Everyone else could be like making funny faces like I did in my kindergarten picture, for real. Like that, I got a whooping. <laughs> Sorry, Dad, Mom, you're watching. But what determines if it's a good picture? How you look. And our eyes automatically, there I am. That's a great picture, <laughs> right? It's the truth. We all suffer from the disease of me. Pastor Mark Batterson said there's two types of people in this world. The person who walks into the room and their body language screams, here I am. You know that person? Then there's the person who walks in there and, and their body language says, there you are. Y'all, can I confess to you? Can I make a confession? I have battled with the first person. I want, people, I want people to hear me. I want people to see me. Because if they see me and they hear me, then they may affirm me. And if they affirm me, it makes me feel good. And especially if you're a words of affirmation person. But to be able to get into a posture of loving others and serving others, and when you, wa you walk into a room, you say, how are you? And you get well into the conversation before it even brings, you're even brought up into the equation. There are two types of people. Here I am, it's a disease of me. There you are, a life marked with love, humility. So I wanna encourage you all to chase after being that second person and dying, you must deny yourself. Your desires have to take a back seat to God's plan. Also, another thing that we suffer from this disease of me is our possessions. Our possessions, it's mine. Remember, it's all stuff. We can't take any of it with us. It's all stuff. And we try to accumulate and stack things to the clouds because it's about my possessions. And my possessions make me feel important. We suffer with the, the disease of me. Remember this. God is not opposed to us having nice things. He is, however, opposed to nice things having us. When those nice things have us, they now become an idol in our life. They now become top dog in our life, and God clearly says, you're to have no other God before me. So an idol is anything that exalts itself above God and who he is in your life. We suffer from the disease of me, but thanks be to God that if we can learn to put our desires and let God's plan take over, we can be cured of that disease. But we must deny ourselves. Sometimes you may not be able to remember the scriptures, you may not be able to remember everything that was said, but be able to ask yourself or just say this statement to yourself, Either Jesus is Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. 
And you know what Lord means? Owner, master, and ruler. Does he own my life? Is he the master of my life? And does he rule my life? He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. When I first got saved, I was saved, so Jesus Christ was my savior. But it took a while for me to actually surrender to him as my Lord, and that's a daily surrender. He will forever be my savior, and I pray that he's yours. But this isn't about a get out of hell free card and just getting salvation. This is about us submitting to his will, submitting to his way, and he becomes the Lord over our life. This is what we're talking about in completely surrendering. Y'all, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just passionate about this because this speaks to me. He's either Lord of all, or doggone it, he's not Lord at all. Your desires must take a back seat to God's plan. Number two, you must take up your cross daily. Oh, some days we just wake up not feeling like it, right? <laughs> this isn't up for negotiation. We must. He said, if you want to be my follower, you've got to deny yourself. Your desires have to take a back seat to God's plan. But then you've got to take up your cross daily. When Jesus used this illustration, this example of what that looks like, everyone listening knew exactly what he meant. A lot of us here might know what, what does he mean by that. If anyone was seen carrying a cross in that day, they were literally walking to their own execution. They were carrying their form of capital punishment. This was not just a light slap on the hand and, and it's a little disciplinary action. You're literally about to die. So if someone was seen carrying a cross, they'd be like, dead man walking. I mean, they, they knew that this person had done something so horribly wrong that it was the end for them. And part of that public humiliation was that they had to carry their own cross. Jesus had to carry his own cross after having done nothing wrong, but he was carrying it because he was carrying the sins of the world for you and for me. Death on a cross not only was the chief form of execution for the dangerous criminals, but it was also for you to say, I am now finally submitting to Roman authority. And it was their choice to humiliate you and then make it the most painful execution that someone could ever feel. You, knew how, you know how you died, how your actual form of death was when you died on a cross? Suffocation, asphyxiation. You got tapped out. <laughs> I mean, it was one of those deals where you just, it was a triangle chokehold. I mean, you couldn't breathe anymore. You're done. From a dislocating of the shoulder joints, stretched wide, to a nailing of nine inch nails, spikes through hands and feet. It was painful. It was excruciating. That's where we get that word excruciating. It came from out of the cross. We use that word today, but that's where it originated from. It was an excruciating death, and it was humiliating at the same time. Jesus tells them, you must, if you want to follow me, you must die to yourself. You have to take up your cross daily. I'm gonna ask you a question, and I want us to ponder this. I don't know what your cross is. But do you know what it is that you must carry daily? That means an act of surrender. What am I willing to completely surrender? The person who was carrying their cross had no more rights on this earth. Jesus uses that phrase for a reason. You're submitting everything that could get in the way of serving him. He's saying, you have to be seen like this. Take up your cross daily and then follow me. Sometimes that cross, if I can say, is a booger to bear. <laughs> it is a tough thing. But again, following Jesus is not up for negotiation. This is what it takes. And we 
don't have the power, but through submitting to him, he gives us the strength to deny ourselves. He gives us the power to shoulder that cross and to follow him daily. So as you're thinking right now, what is my cross? And you start feeling ashamed and guilt, just know that when Jesus convicts you and I of something, it never is accompanied with shame and guilt. Shame and guilt is from the accuser. Shame and guilt is from the father of lies. Condemnation is not from Christ, it is from the devil. So if you've done something, you feel horrible about it, that might be the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but the enemy will condemn you and say you're nothing. You blew it and you'll never get it right. Jesus says, you did blow it, right? But I'm giving you a chance through repentance to get up and get this thing right. He's not looking for our perfection, he's looking for us to follow him. And that we follow him through complete surrender. Your desires must take a back seat to God's plan for your life. You must deny yourself and take up your cross. And number three, you must lose yourself to save yourself. If you wanna find true peace and happiness and fulfillment in this life, you must surrender or relinquish full control of, of your life to Jesus Christ. No ifs, ands, or buts. Following Jesus is not asking him to adjust his plan, or his will rather, to our plan. God, this is what I see myself doing, this is the way I wanna do it, da, 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 da. God, will you adjust your will to my plan? God's will for your life and my life, it's set. It's a good, pleasing, and perfect will. We have to make the major adjustment. Blackaby says in Experiencing God, we have to make the adjustment to get in alignment with his will for our life. Well, God, this isn't how I see, see, I see my life turning out. That's a part of the journey, that's a part of the adventure, that's a part of the great mystery, is that his word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. He's not gonna show us five years down the road of what it looks like for us, but he's gonna show us that next step. We have to make the adjustment. It's like your car, when it gets out of alignment, it might be slightly out of alignment. Take your hands off that wheel and there's a slow drift. It may not completely pull you over into a ditch, but if you let your hands go and don't grab hold of that wheel, there will be a slow drift. And then one day you ask yourself, how in the heck did I get here? It's because we wanna do life on our own terms. We, we want to do that. And what he's saying is we have to make the major adjustment. We must lose ourselves to save ourselves. I want to talk about three quick people. Three quick people. In Luke 9, beginning right around verse 57, they're still walking. There's still people. There are people close enough. And the first one says to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Bold statement, right? Jesus' response is, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He's saying, you, you wanna really follow me? You may not experience any of the comforts of this life. It may be scary, it may be dark, it may be dangerous. Are you willing to follow me? The second person, Jesus looks at them and says, follow me. And he says, let me go first bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You know what he's saying? Reading through commentaries and what, what, what historians and theolo theologians say? That that person, that man's dad wasn't even dead yet. And so what they would do during that time, they would prepare the body for burial. It was, it was a year-long process after death. Then they would finally bury the, the person after one year. So his motivation could have been, when my dad dies, I get the inheritance. If I leave right now, I won't get the inheritance. It could be, I'm willing to follow you, but, yes, but syndrome. Yes, I'll follow you, but, not right now. Do you suffer from the yes, but syndrome? Man, I wanna follow Christ, but, man, this is the best time of my life, man. I'm gonna have to give this up. I'm gonna have to not do, whatever. He says, let the bed, dead bury the dead. He was willing to follow him, but not right now. The third person, Jesus, he tells Jesus, I'll follow you again, wherever you go. And Jesus said, no one, he said, but let me first go say goodbye to my family. 
He said, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus was laying it down right here, y'all. He's letting these three people know, either you're in or you're out. Stop playing hokey pokey. Stop straddling the fence, that's painful and dangerous. You're in or you're out. And you'll see two of those three people, the first person was a religious leader, and so religious leaders like, I don't know, man, foxes, you know, foxes, you have no place to lay your head. Man, I don't know, man, I'm used to a, a nice life. The second and third person said, yes, but. But he's one, someone who's willing to completely surrender and go all in. Luke 5, we see a man. They had been, these fishermen had been fishing all night long. And they are now washing and mending their nets. It's morning time. Jesus is teaching the crowds. So he decides to jump in the boat with Peter and he tells them to launch back out into the deep. And he said, Master, we fished hard all night long and hadn't caught a thing. But because you say so, I don't know the attitude in which he said it. I don't know the heart in which he said it. But he launched back out and he said, let, your, let down your nets for a catch. They let their nets down. They pulled in so many fish, the nets began to tear. And Peter fell on his knees and he told Jesus, depart from me because I'm a sinful man. And Jesus moved with compassion, said on your feet, Peter, for today, I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. It says in the scriptures in Luke 5, one through 11, it says at the end there, he, they, they, he was talking to Peter and they left everything to follow him. They left all of those fish. Y'all, that was their job. That was currency. That was, y'all, great night at the office. We're getting a bonus. We're eating steak tonight. They left everything and followed him. Question, at what we know about Peter after he started following Jesus, did he live for Jesus every single day, every single moment of his life? No. We see that he sliced off the, the ear of a high priest named Malchus. We see that he denied Christ three times. Peter's road to success was not a straight road once he said yes to the Lord. It was highs and lows, twists and turns, ups and downs, hot times, cold times, a lot of lukewarm times. But God Jesus Christ chose to use him because he fell on his knees and he said, get on your feet because I'm gonna use you. God wants to use you and me and all of our flaws, but what he wants from us is to completely surrender, flawed and all. Chase after perfection, knowing that it can never be attained but know that you have to fully lean on, depend on, and surrender to the Lord because it is only He, He's gonna take you where He wants you to go. Y'all listen, every time I get up to minister, it doesn't matter where I am, I get emotional. At some point, it may not be a song, it could be something silly going on, and I'm like, <gasps> and I start getting emotional, why is that? Because I start thinking in my 48 years, God, you would choose to use me? I know me. You know me. But yet you would choose me flawed and all to declare your word to your people? I shudder to think. I'd be like, I'm not qualified. Somebody else come up, but we're all in the same boat. The beautiful thing about our Lord is this life, to completely surrender to him, it's not a checklist of do's and don'ts. You will never be good enough. I will never be good enough. It's not about a, a list of religious routines. If I go to church enough, if I read enough, and if I pray enough, it's never enough. Our love is, I mean, our chasing after him is to not get his approval. It's like my kids, they do some, they wanna see are you pleased and that's cool because that's a, a child-parent relationship sometimes. But they're never doing it to get my approval. They're fully loved, they're fully approved. 
they fall, they're still my son and still my daughters. And the same is true. You may, like when your child started to learn how to walk, they walk in and wobbly legs and fall down. Do you say, I can't believe you fell. You're horrible. Start over again. No. What does the parent do? You see that? They're walking. They actually let go of the table and ah, right? And when they fall, what do you say? Get back up. Pop back up. Get back up. And you celebrate it. Keep walking. It is about a life of complete surrender. And that's what I want to encourage you with today. As you're considering, there may be someone here who said, I don't even know what it is to follow because I have not yet fully believed. Maybe you need to receive the free gift that is called salvation and is what Jesus Christ offers you and me by dying on the cross for our sins. And you realize, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. But then there's some of you, you said, that's done. But I have not completely surrendered. So as we go into this time of worship, just real quick of a, an old song. Worship, consider, ponder. Where am I at in this? Am I sword out of the water? You can have all of me, but not this. Or are you saying, God, it's all of me? I don't know. But let's stand and let's worship. And then I wanna come back and ask you a very important question. Let's listen to these words of this beautiful, beautiful song. To follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided, oh, I have decided to follow Jesus, oh, I have decided to follow business with you right now. I pray for the one, the two or the 10 who need to give their life to you, making Jesus the savior of their life. Father, I also pray for the one in here 
who has done that but needs to completely surrender, to follow you, to deny themselves, to take up their own cross daily, to follow you, that they may lose their self to save themselves. Father, I pray for that first person. If you're here today and you know within your own heart that you've never trusted Jesus Christ to be your savior, I wanna make this crystal clear that today through asking him to forgive you of your sins, that you'll know that you'll spend eternity with him and that he then will give you the power to live for him all the days of your life. If you've never received that free gift, I just want a chance to pray with you. If that is you, can you raise your hand high in the air just so that we can agree with you? If that is you, okay, I see. Again, if it's one, two, or 10, we're gonna celebrate. Just hold your hand in the air. And if that is you, let's all pray this prayer together. Say, dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for sending Jesus for, to die on a cross and forgiving me of my sins that I can have eternal life with you. So Father, right now, I give my life to you. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. I was a sinner, now I'm saved. And God, help me to live for you. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy and grace. This day I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. And the second person, the second person, second person, if you've said today, you know what? Sword's been out of the water. No condemnations, conviction of the Holy Spirit. And you say, you know what? It's time to completely surrender. I gotta go. I, this is daily. I don't know what tomorrow looks like. Tomorrow has enough problems of its own, the scripture says. But today, I need to completely surrender because I want to follow him. If that is you, could you raise your hand in the air? You say, look, I'm in, man. I listen. I got, I'm wearing the jersey, but I need to get in the game. If that is you, I see a lot of, lot of hands. I see a lot of hands. I'm joining you in this today. Five more seconds. If that's you, you can say, look, I just, I, I, I got to holding too much. I'm holding on too tight to other stuff. But God, I want to completely surrender to you today. If that is you, let's pray this together. Dear Lord, help me to deny myself. Help me, God, to take up my cross daily and help me, God, to follow you. Help me to live as your follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. I give you the glory, I give you the honor, I give you the praise. I declare that I'm completely surrendered right now in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen.